They are life. May they be spirit and life to us today. I ask in Yeshua's name. So I want to briefly look at five portraits of prayer that come out of the readings here. And uh, the first is that prayer is interactive and relational. Consider Avraham. That remarkable passage that was read this morning. Uh, I just found myself marveling at it um, uh, afresh of uh, Abraham standing before God and interceding for Sodom. And he starts asking God if for the sake of 50 righteous men, if God would spare the city. Now that in itself is remarkable. You should notice that prayer is not simply some kind of religious performance that we do, some kind of a rigmarole that we do just to appear to be religious people. Abraham is taking upon himself to speak to the, the, uh, the creator of the universe. And he expects that as he addresses the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe might make adjustments on his behalf. Can you imagine that? Will you imagine that about yourself? We should imagine that approaching God, that we can approach God and ask God to, to, to make adjustments, to, to do things on the basis of his covenant promises and his, his, his faithfulness. This is extraordinary. And what makes it multiple times more extraordinary is that after God says yes, Abram says, well, how about 45? Can you see, can you imagine? No, you can't imagine. It's unimaginable that, that Abram would have the confidence, even at this early stage in his relationship with God, the confidence to know that he can not only ask God for something, but he can negotiate. He can ask God uh, to, to make further adjustments. So he goes from 50 to 45, from 45 to 40. And in the process, he says, I know that I'm just dust and ashes. And I know I have no right. Uh, it takes a lot of chutzpah for me to do this, but here I go. He goes from 50 to 45, from 45 to 40, from 40 to 30, from 30 to 20, from 20 to 10. So what's the lesson? The lesson for you, the lesson for me, is to remember that God is, 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 uh, is relational. He invites us into relationship with himself. He's not just simply trying to uh, chalk up how many people he can save before the destruction of the world. He's called us into relationship with himself. And he invites us to, to wrestle with him. When God changes the name of Jacob, he, he, uh, at Peniel, he changes his name from Yaakov, the one who supplants, to Yisrael, the one who wrestles with God. And that's us too. So the first lesson about prayer is it's, it's relational engagement, vigorous relational engagement. The second lesson 
God, God hears prayer even from uh, unlikely rejected people. We read later in this passage about Hagar, who uh, after Yitzchak is born, after Isaac is born, Sarah, who had given Hagar her, her maidservant to Abram in order to produce a child, because in that culture, it was a woman's responsibility to provide a male offspring to her husband's family. And she had failed to do that. So the arrangement was is that she could have her maid be a stand-in. And that's what happened. Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. And Abram loved Ishmael. But uh, Sarah saw uh, Ishmael kind of teasing her, her, her little Yitzchak. And she decided, I don't want this kid around here. So she went to Abram and said, I want you to get rid of them both. <laughs> Abram, uh, uh, Abram is upset about that. But God says, go ahead. I'll take care of him. So Hagar and Ishmael go out into the wilderness. They run out of water. And there she is praying for, uh, praying to God. I don't know what she expects. She's crying out. That much we know. She's crying out. I don't know if she knows enough to ask God what to do. But she's crying out to God. And God hears her prayer. So here's my point to you. Do you consider yourself an unlikely and rejected person? Are you a person who has been rejected by your family, by other people? Do you consider yourself to be second class? Do you consider yourself in some way to be unqualified, disqualified is even better than unqualified, disqualified? Then the second message of today's readings is that uh, God is pleased to hear the prayers, even of unlikely rejected people. And let me remind you of one more thing. Don't ever, don't ever assume that God only hears the prayers of people like yourself and your crowd. Do not assume that God cannot hear the prayers of people on the other side, whatever that side is. That's the second lesson. The third lesson is about this widow. We have two women spoken of in the stories about Elisha this week. The first woman is poor. She's a widow, which means she's in a lot of trouble. She gets so, she's so poor that a creditor decides he's going to take her boys as indentured servants in order to pay off the debt. She cries out to Elisha about it. And you heard the story. Elisha says, what do you have in the house? She says, I don't, I don't have anything. I just got a jar of oil, which had a certain value. And he says, go borrow from your neighbors as many vessels as you can, empty vessels, not a few. Then she brings him back to the house and he says, okay, now pour oil into the vessels. And miraculously, the oil is multiplied until she has a whole collection of vessels, until she runs out of all the vessels that her boys could gather in the neighborhood. Then the oil stops, oil stops flowing. Elisha says, okay, now, 
sell the oil, and uh, that will uh, help you to keep your sons from being taken into indentured servitude, and it'll enable the two year, enable the three year to live. So what's the lesson? We should be prepared to be part of the answer to our own prayers. You pray. You pray about your problems. But then you may sense there's something you ought to do. If you don't do that, you're ending up blocking the answer to your own prayers. You're not chopped liver. So uh, uh, this woman was part of the answer to her own prayers. Her boys were part of the answer to her own prayer. Even the neighbors were part of the answer to her own prayer. So pray like Abram prayed. Pray like Hagar prayed. Pray like this widow prayed, but also be prepared to be part of the answer to your own prayers. That's lesson number three. Lesson number four. It's interesting that Elisha, when he tells this Shunammite woman that she's going to have a son, he says, about this time next year, you'll be holding a child. Well, that's what language that comes out of Abraham's story. That's exactly what, that's, uh, that's what, what, what the uh, visitors told Sarah. The same language. It's not an accident. It reminds us that the patterns of the past should form our present expectations. For the Shunammite woman, as God was with Sarah, he was with her. Even the same language is used. And as we read the Bible, the challenge to me, to you, to us, is to realize that as God was with Sarah, as God was with the Shunammite woman, as God was with Hagar, as God was with Moses, as God was with Paul, as God was with the apostles, so he will be with us. That's a challenge to you, to recognize that the patterns of the past should form your present expectations when you pray. God forbid that we should read the Bible like a bunch of antiquarian stories that give us all the right things to mouth, but nothing to act on. Mouthing is not faith. Faith is action. And the patterns of the past give us direction on the actions we should take now in prayer. And finally, we have Shimon here in the temple. He's a man whom the Holy Spirit is rest, rests upon, the scripture tells us. Let me just uh, read, read this for a moment, just to refresh our memory. There was a man in Jerusalem named Shimon, the man was a tzaddik, he was devout, he waited eagerly for God to comfort Israel, and the Ruach HaKodesh was upon him. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ruach HaKodesh is upon you. It's in, this Ruach HaKodesh is in you. As we said in our teaching in 1 Corinthians this week, uh, we, become the, we become the community of Yeshua's people in that the, we're immersed by the Spirit into one body. It had been revealed to him by the Ruach HaKodesh that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah of Adonai. Uh, 
Now, how the Ruach HaKodesh revealed that to him, I don't know. But I don't think they heard a voice. I think it's likely that he just had a sense. And he had a sense that would not go away, that he equated with the presence of God because of his experience as a, as a devout follower of the God of Israel. He had a sense and he recognized something about that, that this is, feels like God. We read further. Let me bring this down here. We read further that he was prompted by the Spirit to go into the temple courts. I love that word, prompted. It didn't, he didn't get pushed. He didn't hear a voice. He just sensed over there. So he went over there. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Yeshua into him, as the Torah required, he took the child into his arms, made a bracha, and he said, now Adonai, according to your word, your servant is at peace as you let him go. In other words, he realizes he's not going to live much longer because he knew he was going to live long enough to see this Messiah. For I have seen with my own eyes your Yeshua, etc., etc., etc. Our life of prayer should be characterized by attentiveness to the subtle influence of the Spirit. Consider Shimon in the temple. Um, this is something that uh, it's easy not to know. It's easy not to even imagine. For me, by the grace of God and God's abundant, undeserved kindness, I've learned a little bit about life in the spirit in the last 25 or 30 years. The first 25 years of the believer, um, I, I, I was uh, occupied with other aspects of relationship with God. But Paul tells us that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, for example. The Spirit is given to us to enable us to pray. So when you pray, here's a suggestion, just one suggestion. When you're about to pray for somebody, when you're about to pray out loud during the service, pause for a moment. Try to sense, uh, try to sense uh, how you ought to pray. Don't just open your mouth and speak of the same kinds of pious words you've been speaking for 35 years. Uh, in other words, in a sense, my counsel to us is that we should pray before we pray. We should wait on the presence of God and ask, Father, help me to pray. Um, help me to pray. That's one of the greatest prayers I know. Father, help me to pray. Sometimes when you're praying for somebody, uh, uh, when you pause like that, a metaphor will come to you uh, that you uh, you want to use as a basis for the prayer. That can very often be the work of the Spirit. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to give you a diagram of how the Spirit works, but I will say that our life of prayer should be characterized by attentiveness, attentiveness to the subtle influence of the Spirit. So that brings us that's our final 
insight from today's lesson, which just to review for you, our prayer should be interactive and relational. Consider Avraham. We should remember that God hears the prayer of even unlikely rejected people as he did with Hagar. We should be prepared to be part of the answer to our own prayers as the widow and the oil. The patterns of the past should form our present expectations. Consider the woman of Shunem. And finally, our life of prayer should be characterized by attentiveness to the subtle influence of the spirit. Consider Shimon in the temple. May God have mercy on us as we seek to put these lessons into practice in the lives that he has given us in his kindness to us. Amen. I think amen. Any comments before we go into the Alenu? Okay. Anybody? Rabbi, I would just want to say how timely this is and how what a blessing it is this morning. Thank you to the Ruach and our beloved Hashem and to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Who, anyone else? Yes. Marsha. I really appreciate and am thankful that we have the services uh, over the computer. That's good. Hello, Pat Andrews. Love you, Andrews. Hi. Rabbi, I just want to mention, um, it's interesting to me how this is another example of how God takes what you have and multiplies it with the oil, like he does with the, the bread and the, lo the loaves and the fishes. It's just an interesting thing. Uh, it's very interesting. It's a very, very good parallel. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, this is Harlan. Uh, Rabbi, uh, your advice to take a moment to stop and ask the Lord how he wants us to pray is really right on. That is so important. That, uh, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Uh, even myself, who have a history of praying for people, sometimes, sometimes I forget to do that. But most of the time, I don't. It's so important. And it can just, it can just be a moment. Uh, you know, uh, we're called to live our lives in in companion, in, in companionship with the Spirit, in partnership with the Spirit. That's our privilege. I know that's hard to imagine. I know it's more than you expect, but it's nevertheless what is given to us. So, um, uh, yes, uh, Patricia, Pat? Yes, it occurs to me that uh, it, it could be a form of taking things for granted when we just open our mouths and pray without that pause, just like we could do in our relationships with people, even pe people we're close to. We can start to assume things or just take things for granted that we know how to pray, for instance, but maybe we don't, you know, maybe there's something more that God wants to show us. So it's very much like our relationships with people that we're close to. We can sometimes 
not pause to think that, oh, maybe there's something here I'm not seeing. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you will find, you will find that when you pause like that, and as you grow in the life of the spirit, it takes, it's not something, it's not like a switch that gets turned on. It's, it's, it's growth. It's something, it's, it's something that just takes time, takes attention, takes awareness. But as you grow in these things, you'll find sometimes uh, you simply, you're praying for somebody and a metaphor comes up and you, you just pray normally in that metaphor and the person is crying. They're not crying because of you. They're crying because God knew uh, uh, that metaphor would be, would be um, um, pregnant for them. So it's, um, I just want to, want to encourage us. I want to confess that um, a life of prayer uh, is something that developed late for me. So I don't want you to feel as though you're a dunderhead because all of these things are kind of new to you. Don't waste your time beating yourself up. Um, uh, realize these are some of the things that that um, we, we have not dared to imagine because probably nobody kindled our imagination. I'm here to kindle your imagination. Imagine of the kinds of things that we shared today. So now we need to imagine ourselves coming to the end of the service. So with your permission and even without it, I'm gonna to go to the Elena.